You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show, well, it's all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, or just about anything. You've come to the right place. That's what we do. We take your calls. We answer your questions about anything to do with just about anything. And then we wrap it all around trucking. So we're going to get to your calls and questions in just a couple minutes. I want to give you a quick update. Last day, last week, we announced our partnership with Rand McNally and uh, the new Rand McNally tablet, the the uh, GPS tablet. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. I'm going to be putting some uh, information up on my Facebook page here. Probably, well, by the time you hear this, it should be there. Uh, this is what we've really been waiting for in navigation. Instead of a dedicated piece of hardware, Rand McNally has moved to an Android-based tablet, and it is just an amazing device. Now, the, the partnership is the fact that the tablet comes preloaded with a special version of fuel gauges, so you can now track your fuel mileage on your tablet that is also your GPS. Now, it still connects to our online version, so all of your data is still there. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to start over. You just log in with the current fuel gauges account you already have, and it connects to the information that's already there. So you can see it on your tablet. You can see it online. You can still see it on your phone. Uh, so we are very, very excited about that. And we will be expanding the software that we offer on that device as we go. So I'll keep you updated on that. Just uh, I love the concept. I've, I've been using it for about a week now. Um, I haven't taken any long trips with it, but I'm going to be doing that soon. But I love the navigation. I've always said I love Rand McNally's features and I love their navigation. I just didn't like their hardware. Well, now that's all gone. The tablet is fast. It responds well. The screen is super bright and clear. The audio is excellent. It has a built-in dash cam. I, another great feature. You know, the, this will become the technology center of my truck. I'm wiring mine in to the sound system because I'm getting rid of my radio. My AM, FM radio is gone. Who needs that technology anymore? Uh, I've got Pandora on this tablet. I've got my music library loaded on it. I've got audio books loaded on it. You can download any app you want from the Play Store. So really great stuff. And, and the beauty is you can customize this thing the way you want. But, but everything you need is right there 
and such great features. So we are very excited uh, to be a part of this project. We've um, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, that was a big, big project that we had to scramble. Uh, we we decided. Uh, and came to an agreement on the partnership pretty late in the game. So we had to put a lot of resources and a lot of time and effort to meet the deadlines. But we're glad we did. And again, we'll continue to expand our offerings on there and very excited about the future. So if you haven't seen one, go check it out. And I I believe that they're calling it the the Rand McNally tablet. I'll have to... uh, double check on that. Um, I know they're being shipped now. Uh, We are working on getting them in our store, but right now there's, there just aren't any available. They are scrambling to get these in stock. And I am sure this is going to be a very, very hot item. Uh, I think I'm going to jump into some phone calls. Let's head off to Oregon. Darwin, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I am a leased-on owner-operator currently, and I am switching over to being a full-out owner-operator on my own authority. And my question is, is I'm going to have a guy that's been a truck driver for approximately 15 years. He's also an owner-operator leased to a company that he's not uh, happy with. He's going to run under my authority. My question is, what corporation would I want? Like an LLC? Uh, yeah. What should I be looking at doing? Yeah, you want And you need to do this before you get started because, you know, normally we say we do the LLC and the corporation if, you know, we reach a certain income amount. And that typically when I say that, I'm mostly talking to owner-operators leased to carriers. If we don't hit that income amount, there's no point in being a corporation. When you go to get your own authority, and especially when you start bringing on more trucks or more drivers, if we know that's the direction, and you do, you've already figured that out, then we need to set up the LLC before you even apply for authority or any of those things, because you want to do it in that corporate name. So what you're going to do, and you know, it's kind of a tough call. You can go form an LLC all by yourself on something like legal zoom and it's fairly easy, but there, there are probably some legal issues that it wouldn't hurt to have some advice on, you know, it might not be a bad idea to talk to a couple attorneys, uh, get some advice from them and maybe even have them set this up for you, but you're, you're going to do an LLC and that happens in your state. So you file with the state and and you want to file in your home state. Don't listen to those late night commercials that talk about Nevada or New Hampshire or any of those other places. It it just complicates things and and ends up costing you more money if you try to file out of state. So you want to file in your home state. You want to file as an LLC. And then what happens is the IRS says, okay, you're an LLC. We don't even recognize LLCs. We don't have a tax form for you. You have to now decide how do you want to be taxed? And if you are the only owner of the LLC, you could stay being taxed as a sole proprietor. 
But, you know, the fact that you're getting your own authority, you're going to be making a little extra money off this other truck. You might add some more trucks later on. There's a really good chance that you're going to beat that income limit that we usually talk about. So the S-Corp is going to help you for taxes. So that's what you're going to want to LLC in your state. Then there's a form you file with the IRS that says, okay, I'm an LLC, but I want to be taxed as an S-Corp. And then that allows you to draw a salary, which, which you actually have to do. It's a requirement. When you are working in the corporation, you have to be paid as an employee, even though you're the owner. So you'll start payroll and you'll start drawing a salary. And then you can also take money out of the, let's say that, you know, at the end of the year, your net profit is $70,000. Your salary might've been 50. And then that other 30,000, you you can take out of the company anytime you want as draws, dividends, people call it all kinds of different things. But that money then only gets taxed for income tax. We don't have to pay Social Security on it. We don't have to pay Medicare on it. it. It's basically considered investment income. You invested in your own business. You got paid as an employee to run the business. And then there was this extra profit in there. And that, that's kind of the way it's looked at is, well, that's profit. It was more of an investment. It's not really wages. And that's how we generate those tax savings. Because if you're in 70000 as a sole proprietor, you get hit with Social Security, Medicare, income tax, all that stuff. That makes sense? Yeah. And do you see a, a downfall of having my wife on it as owner? Oh, because No. In fact, I would recommend it. A- anytime okay. you know, there's a spouse involved, we usually just do a 50-50. Um, yep. That way, if something happens we don't have to go through a lot of transfers and probate and all this other stuff. It's just, you know, she's already an owner. She's authorized to do anything any owner would be. So yeah, anytime there's a spouse, I think it's a good idea to make them part of the business. Okay. That's what I was planning on doing. Okay. So LLC and uh, S Corp. Yep. And I've already talked to a lawyer and they said about 500 bucks to uh, get, get going. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. It, it, it's anywhere between 500 and a thousand, depending on their hourly rate. And, and 500 is a good number. And I think it's well worth it. You know, you, there, there's little details here and there that if you're not used to and you don't know, um, 500 is, is well spent on this. So it sounds like you've got a great plan and uh, sounds like you're on your way. Congratulations and keep us updated on how it's going. I'm going to get to a break. We'll be right back with more of your calls. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go off, go off to Illinois. Theron, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Great. What can I help you with? I got a little sample. I hope you All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at what we've got going on here. Um, let me just verify a couple things. So it looks like we've got about 860,000 miles on the engine when you did the sample. And was there just about 19,000 miles on the oil? Had it been changed prior to this? Uh, so when I took the sample, yeah, it had been changed just prior to this. That's correct. Okay. So, so there are a couple things I'm a little curious about. Um, the fuel dilution is, came back down. That's a good thing. And it's it's really kind of borderline anyway. At at four, at four point four, your previous sample, um, you had quite a few miles on that oil. Now you've got nineteen thousand. We're at three point two. We we kind of consider two the new zero. So I would just keep an eye on it. I wouldn't do anything. It's not hurting anything in the oil. We don't have any uh, really high wear metals or anything to worry about. One thing that's a little odd is it, it's showing a lot of oxidation. And yeah. that, that, that's just kind of weird. But I also, I read the notes. You're using a, a new, a new oil mobiles, 10 yeah. W, right? And that's, a, a, yeah, it's a new oil to the market. And what they're saying in the notes is, they don't really have this oil in their database yet. So they're actually asking you to submit a new sample. I did that yesterday. I put it in, put it in the mail yesterday. Excellent. Because what's possible is this formulation might have something in it that just shows high oxidation right off the bat. There are a couple oils on the market that do that. It has something to do with the additive package they put in and what will happen is once the lab sees that, the lab will check the oxidation on a brand new sample and they'll reset the baseline so that they'll know then in the future where the baseline really is. And my guess is that's all that's wrong with this is they just don't have the right baseline for oxidation on this oil. So once you send it in, that's great. The next sample that you send then we'll be able to see if that was really the issue. Because it, it it's pretty unusual for an oil to oxidize in, you know, less than 20,000 miles unless the truck either sat a long time or you have a lot of blow-by. Right. So that's why I said the oxidation concerned me. That's why I called you about the uh, sample. But I did send them the unused. Uh, Good. Yeah, it, so I, I think we'll just wait on the oxidation. And here's the other thing. Right now, even if it is really oxidized, it's not hurting anything. So no, no harm, other, no foul. The other thing, Kevin, you know, I was concerned about this. My truck doesn't burn oil. Now, I haven't added a drop of oil since I changed. Okay. Um, that's so really that's good the problem. Or- Oh, it's good. That tells us we have a nice tight engine. What we want to watch, actually, we want to watch for two things. One of them is oxidation. If we're not adding new oil, the old oil will tend to oxidize at a higher rate. But again, until we get that baseline, we don't know what we're dealing with there. 
And the other thing we want to watch when we don't have to add oil is the base number because the, the base gets used up over time. And that's just normal. It happens in every engine. And most of the time, though, we put a gallon in here, gallon in there, and our base stays up. But if, it, if we don't put any oil, we just want to keep an eye on that base. Right now, yours is excellent. I mean, it, it's flagged at a zero, which is perfect. So, again, we'll just keep an eye on that. It's possible that if, if, if we, you know, extend the drains on this and we get out to, say, 75 or 100,000 miles without an oil change, then that base number might start dropping. The solution we've found that works great is the Luber finer filters that have the that has the base built into it. You spin a filter on and your base number comes right back up. So it's an easy oh. problem to fix if we run into it. Right now there's okay. there's no indication that we're going to have a problem, but we'll keep an eye on it. All right, thanks, sir. All right. All right. All right. We will uh, talk to you again soon. Give me a call back when we get that next sample and we'll figure out what's going on with that oxidation. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Travis, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What can I help you with? I've heard you talk about this every once in a while. I'd like to talk to you for a second about aggressive driving. Okay. Um, be honest with you, I don't drive a truck. I drive a minivan. I'm over the road three to 4,000 miles a week. And um, I had experience today I'm going to tell you about. That's coming out of eastern Pennsylvania on Interstate 78, heading towards Carlisle. There's three lanes. I'm in the middle lane. The speed limit is 55. And I'll be honest with you, I was speeding. I was going 62. The, the owner-operators come up behind me. Come up behind. I can't get, get closer and closer. I look in the third lane. There's no one there, no one at all. He gets about three-inch front bumper, flips the truck over, then he takes his flatbed, and literally for two or three seconds, back end of his flatbed is almost right up against my hood of my minivan. He leaves it there for two or three full seconds and takes off. Then apparently he was talking to the Schneider guy behind him. The Schneider guy flew up right, be right up to my van. I couldn't even see his windshield. Couldn't see it. He Rides behind me for one second or two, then flies over to the left-hand lane and takes off. You know, it, it's so funny that you bring this up right now. I almost opened my show about this, but I wanted to talk about the, the GPS. Um, I, I just got back from a trip myself. Again, not in a truck this time. I, I was driving from Chicago to Cleveland in a, you know, just a car. And I, I witnessed some of the worst driving by trucks I have seen ever, I think. I, I just, I was, I was almost speechless. It was so bad. Packs of trucks, three, four, five trucks, all running together, all running faster than the speed limit and so close together that if anything went wrong, we would have one of those, you know, crazy pileups with all kinds of vehicles you know, I, I used to, I've always driven slow in my truck. 57 is where I set the cruise all the time. I used to run the speed limit or maybe a little faster in the car. And you know what? I don't even like doing that anymore. I, I was on the, the turnpike from Chicago to Cleveland and I set my cruise at 60. You know, what's the big hurry? I get there anyway. It's more relaxing. And I had the exact same experience. I'm watching these trucks just coming by, flying by 
literally less than a car length in between the two of them. One guy watched, there were three lanes, and now I think we might have just come back down to two. So these trucks come by me. They are literally right behind each other. And the, the truck that was following got impatient as soon as they got around me. And there was another slow vehicle in front of me, you know, but there were probably, well, there was a couple car lengths because I usually don't follow close either. As soon as the second truck got around me, he shot into the right lane and was going to pass the other truck in the right lane and almost ran into that other vehicle that was over there. And he had to swerve hard back into his left lane. And then he almost hit the truck he was trying to go around. I, I, I yeah, was, the thing is, today, today the words were totally dry. You know, he literally, literally was an inch of me. One false move, he would literally throw me into the, into the slow lane where there was traffic. I mean, he could have easily killed me and other people I mean, for no reason at all. I mean, he, I mean, he never blew us. I don't know why he, he was even upset. There's no reason to be upset because I wasn't impeding him because there was absolutely no cars in the third lane, none. Well, exactly. And, and then, so not long after that, then I look up, here comes two more trucks racing each other in the two lanes. And the, the one gets right up behind me. Like you said, I can't even see his windshield. I can barely see anything but grill and radiator. He's so close behind me. And I'm thinking, all right, as soon as this other truck gets by me, he'll go around. We didn't. He just stayed there. And I'm thinking, come on, I watched you pull up on me. You had to be doing 70 plus. Why are you just sitting behind me? I'm doing 60. And there's an open lane past me already. So I gave him a couple minutes and then I just lightly touched my brakes to knock the cruise control off. And, you know, he shoots out around me. I, I, I just it was a couple hours of the worst driving I've seen by trucks in a long time. I just don't get it. Just to show you one thing, why every bad winter storm, why we have these 30 and 40 power car ups. I mean, it just if you see it and I see it, you can you exactly know why when these really bad winter storms. Why we have all these big pileups. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Running in packs, no space in between anybody, jumping around in lanes. A- absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And good timing because I, I was going to write a blog post about it. It was so bad. I don't know what to do about it. Probably nothing, but uh, sheesh. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. 
You know, one of the things that I've, I've often stayed away from on this show um, and mostly because I hear it on all the other shows. It gets plenty of coverage. This, you know, we talk about business. We talk about getting better. And I normally stay away from that complaining about other drivers and other trucks. And, uh, you know, there's enough of that going on. We all see it. We know it's happening. I, I'd like to focus on solutions. And that's what this show is all about. Solutions and making things better. I don't know how to make that better. I mean, I know we could maybe we should be reporting them when it happens. I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I, I, I won't turn this show into, you know, let's just complain about everybody else. That's not going to happen. But it, it was so egregious when I saw it this time that I was going to mention it. And obviously, you know, other people are seeing it and we are seeing these huge, you know, multi-car pileups when the weather gets bad. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And, and until I can think of a good solution, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. We all know it happens. It does seem to be getting worse, but I don't know what to do. Uh, we'll think about it. If you have any ideas and, and everybody does, I just don't know if they're going to do any good, but drop me a line on, on Facebook. Let's get back to some phone calls. Let's go to Minnesota. Dean, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin, Dean here. Um, I had a uh, 9,400 in an asphalt, 99 model, and I sold the truck about two months ago. The guy drove it for one month and wrecked it, laid it over it's on its side. My question is, um, it's got 800,000 miles on the whole unit. Is it worth uh, buying it back and putting another cab on it? And if you buy a cab, do you have to buy one with the, that had a 12.7 or a Detroit in it? No, I don't believe so. I um... The wiring on the inside for the dash and all that stuff, I mean, can that be switched around on the uh, ECM or what? Well, the, yeah, we can do wiring harnesses. That isn't a big deal. So the, the cab itself really, I mean, we can we can make that work, and I don't think it's that difficult. Do you have any idea how much you could buy this thing back for? I don't know if I can. Four to five grand is all I want to spend on it. And, and that's what I was going to say. Five would probably be my limit. Um, how much do you know about the impact? Like, how fast was he going when he when it went over? He laid it over. Um, he wasn't going more than about twenty to thirty. Yeah, I, I think the damage then will be limited to. I don't want to just say cosmetic, but I don't think we're going to see any kind of frame damage. But even that. You know, if if you could find, um, you know, a good MD alignment shop just to let them take some measurements and make sure that this thing isn't all tweaked and we couldn't get it straight. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And, you know, for me, these these older trucks are, are pretty valuable. So um, cabs, we could probably come up with something fairly cheap. And it's, you know, one more pre-emission truck we could keep on the road. Yeah, I know I found a cab already at a thousand bucks. Um, yeah. So I didn't yeah, think that'd be too bad. Will, no, most of your cost will be in labor, but even then, 
um, you know, we're, we're back to a good pre-emission truck that stays on the road. So it, it would all come down to the numbers, um, you know, get some estimates. But, it, you know, if you can buy it back for five, you've got a thousand into the cab. I mean, if we can get this thing back on the road for less than 20, I think it's worth it. Oh, yeah. All right. That's kind of what I was thinking, but I just thought I'd ask. So. Yeah, it might be a great opportunity. What did you end up selling it for, by the way? I sold it for twenty because it had uh, seven hundred eighty thousand on the truck, and it was okay. an extremely so, clean truck. Yeah. So again, we're back to you know that was kind of the number I pulled out. If we can do it for less than twenty, let's say it took you exactly twenty. Well, you're right back to even. I mean, you you got your truck back for what you sold it for, um, and then you could probably sell it again, or who knows? And you might be able to do this for quite a bit less than twenty. Yeah, I, I yeah, think I, it's and I don't think, you know, you're you I don't think you'll run into any major issues with this. It it should be fairly straightforward. Let's uh let's head off to Illinois. John, welcome to the program. Hi Kevin, how are you? Good. What can I help you with? Yes, I have um a couple of things that I uh that I need help with. The first one is I'm gonna try to be quick. Uh my head engine is cracked, the coolant is leaking. I'm adding about one bottle every two, three days, and I need to buy some time before I fix this. What can I do, and how what, how can I make sure that I will run for at least you know four or five months to make enough money to fix this? Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that we're going to get five months out of this. It, it depends on where the crack is. Now, when you say it's leaking, is the leak external? You're seeing it leak? Yes, it's external. Actually, um, uh, the mileage, you know, it's pretty good. I'm getting about um, eight miles from a one gallon. So everything is good, except that it's external leak, yes. Have you done any oil samples since this started? Um, I did in the beginning, but the truck was sitting it, and it wasn't really, really good. Um, okay. I, I would pull an oil sample because the the one thing we want to know is, is – could the coolant also be getting into the oil? And that's a possibility. And we want to make sure that it's not, or if it is, we, we just need to know. And, and we might even be able to overcome that by putting some Lucas in there, and that'll buy us some time. I am not a fan of the products that stop leaks. You know, there, there are things you can put in the radiator yes. that I am not a fan of those products at all. So I, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, you know, do they do any damage? That's what I put it in. Well, here's the thing. If we've got a crack and this stuff actually gets into that crack and seals it, fills it, stops the leak. That's what it's supposed to do. Well, there are lots of other places inside the engine in everywhere that coolant goes, that product is going. It's going through our heater cores. It's going through your heater core back in the bunk. It's going through all those lines. And if this stuff oh, has the ability to get into a crack and fill it, what happens with all the other cracks? And, and oh. you know, so that's, that's what I'm always worried about is that I just don't know what else this product is doing. So the only time I would ever recommend a product like that is if, if you just needed to buy four or five months and then you were going to get rid of the truck then i'd say well give it a shot but 
if I'm keeping the truck, I'm not going to put that stuff in there. Um, I, I would just say that you just keep putting coolant in it. Um, and I would buy, find the cheapest coolant I could, um, you know, still serviceable, still designed for the truck, but I, I would be buying it cheaply. Like, you know, if you're trying to get five months and you're using a gallon every couple of days, you might even want to buy, you know, 50 gallon drums or whatever you can get in quantity to get that cost down. I mean, if you know you're going to have to put this in, I, I would just work on getting the cost down. And the thing is, there are no guarantees on how long we can make this last. It, it could yeah. fail tomorrow. Uh, it could make it yeah. five months. I, I, I would just keep an eye on it, and I would oil sample to see if it's getting inside. What about adding um, water instead of coolant? You the the problem with that that would cause a lot of problems. I wouldn't recommend it. See the the coolant. One of the most important things the coolant does, other than stop us from freezing or you know really boiling over, um, it also has anti corrosion properties in there. And if you have straight water going through the engine, which would eventually happen if you just kept putting water in, we're going to corrode the inside of the engine. What if I, if I put it half and half, mix it a little bit? You could dilute it some. I mean, it, it, and I would say, because when you buy it, it's already half and half the premix. Now, what you may want to do to keep the cost down, you may want to yeah. buy pure coolant that you are supposed to dilute anyway. And, and the ratio is, you know, one to one. Um, it's a 50-50 mix, but you could maybe do... Uh, 70 30 and probably get away with it like 30 percent 30 percent pure coolant don't start with a premix if you start with a premix coolant then it's going to be harder to dilute it so i would start with a pure coolant dilute it no more than 70 30 technically you should be using you know distilled water otherwise we get all the other minerals and stuff out of the water so, you know, the, the, the goal here is to try to keep the cost down, obviously, and buy as much time as we can. Stick in. Maybe some of you also have some other ideas for us on that. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothman. All right, real quick, we're getting ready to head into the final segment of the first hour. So at the end, I'll say, I'm done. I got to get out of here, all that stuff. But just stick around because we'll come back and do another hour. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. We're off to Washington this time. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Hey there. What's up today? Oh, 
all kinds of stuff. I had to actually decide what I wanted to call in about. So, <laughs> okay, all kinds of good. good. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff is happening. I'm probably going to be making a few phone calls over the next few weeks. But today Excellent. I want to talk about Landstar. Okay. Uh, we've been, we switched over to Landstar about uh, seven months ago, and I haven't really uh, done any updates on it because I wanted to get a feel for it, you know, before I, you know, gave my yeah. opinion on it. So, so it's been seven months, um, and I have some month-to-month comparisons and profit gauges, and I am just stoked with the improvement <laughs> that we've made in our numbers. It's amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it great to have the numbers too? Because look, I yeah. know you could have called and after seven months said, Hey, we're really happy over here. The bills are paid. We've got some money saved. And that would be a good thing. And you could have even told me, yeah, we're doing better financially. But when you can see the exact numbers and see all the changes that, that, like you said, that gets me stoked too. Yes. I I actually posted a year to year comparison on Facebook. I compared uh, January of this year to January of last year and there's, uh, I'll give you a percentage improvement. There's like a, um, hold on, uh, like a 30% improvement in, wow. in, in my profit. Oh. Yeah. Hey, so, so, you know, that's interesting because at the CMC, you know, the, the, one of the segments that I go through in the CMC is we go through the profit and loss statements. We understand all the numbers and we, you know, figure out what's going on. And then I tell people, here's a great plan. It's something I do, you know, every once in a while uh, with my business. And I said, what if we could improve three areas by 10%? What if we could improve the revenue by 10%, fuel mileage by 10%, maintenance cost by 10%, we'd have this 30% improvement. And I usually say, um, you know, it might take a year to improve all those things, but, but if you do it, a 30% improvement is huge. Well, you guys are like a textbook example. Yeah. Yeah. It's 30%. Um, my, my January numbers are slightly off because I saved some trips from December, but I calculated for that. So it changed it by about 30 cents a mile, but even taking that out, it's still a, a massive improvement. It's like, 31 cents a mile profit uh, January of last year compared to if I adjust for the extra trips, a dollar seven a mile profit last month. And that's wow. not going to change because we, yeah, we just started a dedicated run. So that's going to stay pretty much the same. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And so, so here's and also, the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, that, that is a, a, a huge improvement. I mean, you made a bigger improvement than many people make in a year working full time. I mean, there are people out there who work extremely hard, work an entire year, and they don't get paid as much as as the raise you just gave yourself. Now, I'm not talking about how much you make. That's just your raise is more than some people make working all year. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you really feel like you worked that much harder? Uh now, no, I don't. I feel like I'm working. Actually, I am working less. I forgot. Oh, that's what I was going to mention. I am <laughs> making it. We are making an extra 76 cents a mile profit on. Hold on. Uh, uh, 4,000 less miles a month. So wow. I'm actually working less and making more money. Yes. That, it it yeah. doesn't get any better, really. I mean, that that is the point of actually it's the point of this whole show. 
I mean, that's exactly why we do this. And, and what a great example. Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, one of the big things uh, was as soon as we went over, we bought our own trailer. We actually bought the signature trailer, and it's awesome. I think anybody that wants to buy a new trailer should definitely go with the signature trailer. Um, improved our fuel mileage by about at least half a mile. I don't have exact numbers because we've done some different things, but it's been at least a half mile fuel mileage improvement. Um, and the revenue, I mean, 16 cents a mile revenue out of that January numbers is from the trailer. So right. Right. They like to tell you, I mean, if you ask somebody, uh, a lot of people over at Landstar, if you should buy your trailer, usually they'll say, well, 65% of our stuff is dropping hook. So, you know, so they don't really give you a recommendation, but it's not an issue. I, buy your own trailer. Get the extra revenue. You will not have a problem getting loaded. I, I've been recommending it for years because, you know, 15 years ago when I was doing accounting and I had a lot of clients over at Landstar, we've been working with them for a long time. People started asking me, should I own the trailer? And I said, I don't know, let's run some numbers. And, and I started tracking and, you know, working with people who did it. And after, I mean, we, we tracked for a couple of years, literally. And after it, I said, okay, hands down, here's the thing. You will make more money every single time having your own trailer. We've, we've figured that out. It doesn't matter. The only consideration comes in is, do you mind the live loading or do you, are you just in love with the drop and hook? Because if it's a money issue, go get your own trailer. And it takes away a bunch of headaches. You're not picking up trailers that somebody else didn't do a good post trip on and dealing with all the issues. You get to keep it clean. Get to keep it serviceable. Your fuel mileage is better. There, there are so many advantages to having it, and hands down, the numbers always work. Now, here's what I tell people: if you are, like I said, I can tell you right off the bat, you're going to make more money. So let's not even talk about the money. The issue is, what's it going to do to your day? You know, are, are you going to hate all the live loading? Well, I tell people there's an easy way to test this. Just Keep your company trailer for now. Just stop doing dropping hooks. Just take a month or a quarter, whatever you want. And just decide you're not going to do dropping hooks. You're going to treat this trailer like it's yours and don't let go of it. And, and after yep. three months, you'll know whether you like this or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure here. Just uh, there is a bit of a lear learning curve, which we went through. Our first three months were, uh, were uh, I mean, they're okay. We made money. But we were at our profit per mile that we had been at with our previous company, which, you know, still making a profit, but no improvement. But after we right. figured it out and we decided what we wanted to do, you know, you can see the numbers. I posted them on mm -hmm. Facebook and anyone wants to go to my page and look. Excellent. So, you know, th this is an interesting thing, too, that you brought that up about the learning curve. And it was about three months. Um, I used to tell people when you go to Landstar that first year might be an issue. In fact, I used to tell people, people either leave Landstar in the first year or they tend to stay forever. I mean, that, and, and obviously there are exceptions, but that, that's, you, that's kind of a pattern. Well, over time, Landstar finally came to me and said, hey, you know, you were right about that and we understand it was an issue and they really stepped up their game as far as training and bringing okay. people on and making more resources available so that year that I used to say it might take you to learn the system, build some relationships with agents and that kind of thing. They've cut that way, way down. So it's interesting for you now to say it was about three months. 
Yeah, I would call the learning curve about three months. Uh, the fourth month, we took a lot of time off, so I didn't. I don't really have any profit there. But the fifth month after we went back to work, I mean, it just skyrocketed. Our was we were at eighty nine cents a mile in the fifth month uh, profit. Yeah, and the, you're right that the tools that they give you and the people that they make available to you to learn uh, is amazing. The orientation is great. That second class that they offer after your three months in is spectacular. Yeah, so they do a good job. Yep. Yeah, and that was the whole reason for doing that. And, and we worked with them over time, and I would go back to them and say, hey, you know, here's what I'm seeing. People love it, but but they've got this learning curve in the beginning. It's such a different setup than a lot of people are used to. And and they started, and they saw it too. I mean, they knew it. It wasn't just me, but they started putting in things in place, and I think they've done an amazing job. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I love it. It's fantastic. Out. Oh, I'm uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Side note, I okay. bought. We bought the T and D tablet. We bought the T and D tablet pretty much as soon as it came out. Did I haven't you? even had a chance to play with it, and it's yes, it's spectacular. We've only used it just for the GPS and the camera. I haven't even gone through all the features, and I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to go through all the features and get everything going to its fullest potential. It's fantastic. I I, I, I know. I I've been just busting. I mean, we we made this. Um, we made this agreement with them back at uh, Gats last year in Dallas. Um, and then we had to scramble to get ready. So we, I've just been excited to talk about this since the project came up. But, you know, wait till you start using fuel gauges on the tablet. You can have your audio books on there. You can have podcasts on there. It, it really is just a, it, it's what I've been waiting for. In fact, actually, a couple of years ago, we sat down and looked at, because I looked at, you know, we were testing the GPSs. I was looking at the issues and it was mostly a hardware thing. And I said, God, maybe we should build a tablet with all this stuff. And the problem was I, I couldn't license the navigation software from anybody. The stuff that was out there and available just wasn't very good. And I couldn't get in a license agreement with anybody. So I'm glad that Rand McNally picked it up. Hey, I'm all out of time. I've got to get out of here. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone. All right, everybody, don't go away. We're going to start a uh, another hour here. Give me about 30 seconds. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, or anything else about trucking, you've come to the right place. That's what we do here. We take your calls. We answer your questions about all of those things and more. 
I also like to say this show is about helping you become a better you, helping you improve your business, your life, your finances, your relationships, because they all work together and your health, you know, your health is really important. And, and we have been spending more and more time talking about health. We're not going to turn it into a health show. We're not going to turn it into a self-improvement show, but those are going to be pieces and parts. And they are uh, just like all the other topics because they really do all work together. So uh, along those lines, we are putting together programs in the different areas. We're bringing in other people. We're doing podcasts on our new network around health, fitness, uh, finances. We're going to do some more stuff around personal finances. We, we've always covered you know, your profit and loss statement for the business and fuel mileage and tracking all those numbers. And, and we have clearly seen over the years People just keep getting better and better at this. We talk about it. We teach it. People do it and they get better. And the show has had a natural progression. And this is the next logical progression. But it will just be a part of it, just like anything else, whether it's, you know, accounting and profit and loss statements. Now we can talk about also accounting and your personal financial statements, your net worth. Uh, we can answer questions about health. Uh, I, I have a strong background in both of those areas, health and finance. My first business was a gym and, you know, I've coached uh, a couple different sports for many years, been involved myself and, and I am getting back in shape. I, I tend to go through cycles in my life when business gets too busy. I tend to slack off on my health and I've made a commitment not to do that anymore. Because honestly, all the success in the world is not worth risking your health for. Because if you're not healthy, you can't enjoy it. If you're not healthy, you can't be there to support the people around you. If you're not healthy, it's hard to be successful in any other area if you're not feeling good. The same thing goes for money. Um, and I know I, I have a struggle with this. I am really, really good at making money. but I'm not that great at managing it, even though I know all the right ways. I know all the things you're supposed to do. I was for several years, a certified financial planner. The only reason I say was is because in order to say that I have to keep my designation up and I have to pay the CFP board every year. And I decided not to do that anymore because I wasn't practicing, but I still stay up on it. I still know everything I knew when I was a, a CFP. So money's been a big part of my background. It's just me personally. I'm not that great at managing it. And I hate to admit that because I know all the right things. Lisa, on the other hand, she is excellent. So we make a great team. Um, I want to help more people with that. So if you have any questions about personal finance net worth, I can answer those. If you have any questions about health, I can answer those. And we're also bringing in other people, which is what I've always done. You know, take, for example, tires and alignment. I can answer a lot of questions, but sometimes I've got to go to the real experts. I've got to go to the people that do tires and alignment every single day, whether it's Mike Beckett or his son, Kevin Beckett or Chad in Kansas City. 
those are the people I go to with engines. I can answer a lot of questions about engines. Sometimes I've got to go to the experts, the people who do it every single day. Bruce Mallinson in Pittsburgh Power. Uh, Jeff Zarley helps me a lot. We'll do the same thing with health and fitness. We'll do the same thing with money. Um, on the money side, I, I, I can't think of a, many questions I can't answer about money. So maybe we don't have to bring anybody else in there. Um, Kim Cockerham, who is part of our Let's Truck team here, is a big part of our health and fitness initiative, and she has a great background to help you with that. The, the program is really expanding to help you be better in any area that you want to be better in, but we, we wrap it all around trucking. Trucking is such a unique lifestyle that you can't just take the standard fitness advice and apply it to trucking. It, 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 you're not at home. You can't, you know, the people who join gyms usually either stop at the gym on the way to work or stop at the gym on the way home from work. It's part of their commute. That's a little more difficult when you live in a truck, not only being in the truck and being on the road, but just your schedule isn't set like that. So that creates some challenges around fitness. It's not easy to just drop into the health food store, the whole foods or the organic market and stay stocked up on healthy food in the truck. I know that's difficult. Finding food on the road is difficult, but there are ways to make all of those things better. And that's what we're doing. Money. Um, a lot of the standard advice on money is difficult when you're in this business. You don't get the same check every week the way a lot of people do. It's, it's fairly easy to budget when you know exactly how much money is coming in every week. Most truck drivers, whether you're even company drivers, they don't know how much money's coming in every week. They're paid by the mile. We don't know how many miles you're going to get. Owner operators, there's a 10 more levels of complexity. Not only do we not know how much money you're going to make, we don't know what fuel's going to cost next week. We don't know what breakdowns are going to happen. It is much, much more difficult to manage money properly under those conditions. That's why we want to help. We understand the trucking lifestyle. We're all a part of it. And we want to help you just be a better you and have a better life. And then we love the fact that many of our listeners pay that forward and help other people, which gets us closer to our overall mission as a company, not just as this radio show, but as a company, our overall mission to make the industry, the trucking industry, a better place to live and work. And the only way to do that is one person at a time. So that's what the show's all about. We can also talk about anything you want. Whatever question you've got, bring it to me. I'll see if I can answer it. If I can't, we'll try to find somebody who can. So let's get to some of those phone calls. Let's head off to Austin, Texas. Joan, welcome to the program. Oh, hey, Kevin. It's Cheryl. Ah, okay. Hi. Are you are you in Austin? Uh, yeah, technically, yes. On my way to Houston, but yeah, Austin. Got it. Hey, okay, I wanted well, to get your input. Um, my yeah. boyfriend and I have an opportunity to drive for a contractor lease with FedEx Custom Critical. Okay. And he's offering a couple of settlement settlement options. One is forty uh, percent of the load, and we basically get to accept the load or not. So we don't pick them, you know, we don't go to the load board and decide where we go, but it sounds like we deal directly with FedEx and he's out of the picture. 
And that's on a 1099. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with percentage, and I've got some opinions that you've influenced about being paid on a 1099. Um, and then the other option is either 1300 flat rate on a 1099 or 1200 on a W-2. And 1200 on a W-2 is just not a lot per mile for a team, you know, each. It's, it's per driver. Okay. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, how much that, that 1099, we're going to have to pay that self-employment tax. That's the FICA, the Social Security. I, I mean, that's the same. Uh, uh, it just seems like it's going to start cutting in to the uh, Well, let's, let's just do a couple numbers here because we can figure this out pretty easily. So it, it's $1,300 um, as a contractor flat rate, right? Yes. Okay. And basically, you're going to end up paying about 7.65% of that extra, which comes out to $99.45. So by the time okay. you pay your, your FICA, which is your Social Security and Medicare, you're back to even. Here's the thing. Why would we want to go through that hassle of being even? Because now you have to, you've got to pay it. You've got to file your quarterlies. You've got to make sure you don't get behind. If I'm going to be even, hell, I'd just rather be an employee. There are so many other benefits. Yeah. Only way I would accept, and I don't, I don't like anybody who doesn't own the equipment working as an independent contractor because it's just wrong. I mean, if we look at the rules, it's not right. But if somebody offered me enough money, I'd be willing to do it. Um, but there's no money here. You're going to make 55 cents. So, so the conclusion is. Well, hold that thought because I have a lot more to say, but I've got to get to a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Roth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. For the break, I was talking with Cheryl, not Joan, right? Right. Hi. All right. So I have two questions for you. You know me. I like to do everything by the numbers. We just did the numbers and figured out one of the offers isn't worth taking. The 1300 flat rate as an independent contractor is not worth taking. So let's move on to some other numbers. What are you two currently earning right now? Well, we're driving. Uh, we're driving local in Lion Hall, um, so it doesn't really. I guess per week, I'm I'm grossing just straight time, not including overtime, seven fifty a week, and I think he's real close to that as well. So even if we went with the twelve hundred a week uh, for each one of you, 
Um, it's a significant increase, but you're also, you're going over the road. You have more expenses, more time away. So I get all that, but it, it, it is a significant increase. So that, that's a good step. Um, how long is this a new venture for him or did, has he owned this truck with drivers in it before? He's owned the truck with drivers in it before. It's a 2013 International with a 10 speed and 260,000 miles on it. Okay, so here's uh, it's the, got an APU, which is a nice thing. Here's what I would want. Here's what I would want to do before I made a decision. I would want to sit down with him and say, "Let me see what the truck was made. Show me what it was making, so I can figure out. You know, we're we like to hustle, so we might do way better on percentage. But the thing is, the historical data already exists. He's been doing this. Somebody okay. was." We could go look at what the percentage would have come out to. Forty percent is actually really high. I mean, is it I, I, okay? Oh, yeah, forty percent of the load is really high to pay a driver. Um, I never paid a driver percentage, but I always tracked what my set, what my wages were as a percentage, and my goal was to make sure my wages stayed under twenty five percent of revenue. And okay. and my driver were well paid and happy. I had no turnover. I had a waiting list. So 40% is, is pretty darn high. Rates are good and strong right now. And I don't see that changing. I think they're going to stay strong. So the percentage I, I would guess is going to give you the opportunity to make more money, but I don't like to guess. And we don't have to guess. Right. Let, let's down with the paperwork and go back and see which one works better. Now, here's the thing. I, I, in a situation like this, as the owner of the vehicle, putting somebody on percentage, I think is the best opportunity because they're going to be more incentivized to hustle. You know, the, the whole paying somebody a flat rate, I think, is insane in business. I mean, where is your incentive to even go to work? Yeah, now he would be dispatching on the flat rate. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I, I I just yeah. think it. I don't like flat rate. I, I just it, it. I just don't think it's good for anybody. I, I like the idea in this kind of operation of a percentage. So that's what I would lean towards. But I would want to look at some numbers first. Okay. All right. And then at that point, having the uh, increased opportunity for more income with the flexibility of going. No, I don't want to go to New York the weekend that they're projecting, you know, 12 feet of snow. Uh, that might be a, something to consider. Well, it is. It, it, it always is. And then it becomes a balancing act. And, and this is always true with any company that says we don't have forced dispatch. Pick and choose what you want. You also have to have the, the wherewithal and the smarts to know when they really need to get something done. And, and once in a while, it, it's good to take one for the team. You know what I mean? It, it, right. when, you, when you can afford to, when there's one of those loads that's important, but it doesn't pay all that great or it's not going to an area you like, you know, the more you turn that down, I mean, that, that's just not good relationship building. It, but on the other right. hand, you don't want to be a doormat either. You don't want to be the one always taking the lousy loads. It, it's a delicate balancing act, but I, I prefer that. I mean, that's the kind of operation I'd much rather be in. Let me help out when I can. You know, I'll, I'll take one for the team and I'll do one that isn't my favorite. 
And then once in a while, you know, when that super juicy load comes up, I want that one too. Well, and one of the things I was thinking is this would give us a chance to, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say practice, but since we're looking to go with Landstar when we got everything uh, lined up to do that, this gives us a chance to get a feel for what it's like to pick where we go and well, project that's, the that, income from that. And That's another good point and brings up another factor in this for me. Um, that makes me lean even more towards the percentage, even if even if there's a chance you're going to make less money because it is better to, if your ultimate goal is to to own a, your own truck someday and do this on your own, this is good practice. And, and you're not going to get a flat rate when the truck's yours. So it's, that's never going to be an option. So you might as well start learning percentage now because you'll get better at it. You, you'll get, you'll start to learn as long as you apply yourself, you'll start to learn more about rates and lanes and and, you know, managing deadhead and all those other things. So that's one more factor that really makes me lean towards the percentage. Well, especially since the only reason we're going over the road at this point in time is the over the road experience we have dropped off the calendar mid-July and we're short four months for Landstar's yep. uh, purposes. Yep. So we lean towards the percentage more as well. All right. Yeah. That, uh, that's a lot of help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Numbers, 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 numbers. I, 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 um, I've always been fanatical about the numbers. That's how we measure everything. It, it's part of the way that we can get the emotion out of some of these decisions. Get it on paper, get some numbers. And, and we've had some great examples on the show the last couple of days of using the numbers to make decisions. I'm starting to use numbers in all kinds of areas of my life, not just business, not just personal finance, but health. I talked at the beginning of the show about health and the other things we're doing. Numbers are amazing. And now we have technology that gives us feedback and data and numbers about all kinds of crazy stuff. And I love it. Let's uh, let's get to some more phone calls. Let's go to Waco. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I uh, I got three things that kind of came up here while you were talking that I was curious about. Uh, okay. But the first thing, the most important thing, is uh, I had a driver yesterday or day before going down the road, and he had a yellow engine light on the dash, and he started to take the off-ramp before he even got to the top of the ramp that changed to a red. He shut the engine down right away, got out, opened up the hood, and it was spewing oil out of the coolant reservoir tank. So we got it towed in, got it checked out, and they said the oil cooler was shot. Okay. And they checked, checked to see how much oil was still in the, in the pan, and there was five gallons left in the pan. So it didn't run dry on oil, but they're telling me, um, basically to get that system clean, I'm going to have to pull the radiator out, get it cooked, put it back in, basically flush the whole system, take the radiator back out again, get it cooked again, put it back in and do this process like four times. And I said, well, gosh, you know, that seems like a lot of work just to flush the system. And he said, I was looking at about 5000 by the time we were done to do the oil cooler. I, 
I would get a second opinion. Hey, and here's why, well, because I, I did check around. I checked with, you know, Pittsburgh power and, you know, a couple of my local shops that I've done business with. And, and they all said they don't take the radiator out. They run that, soap through it with hot water. They run it up to operating temperature. They, you know, they pull the plug on the block and the, and the radiator, they dump as much out as they can and they start all over. That's they do exactly that three or four right. times. That's exactly what I was going to say is I I've seen this happen before in the past, get tons of oil into that system. We never take the radiator out and that. So that's why I wanted you to get a second opinion in case there was something weird about this situation. I don't think there is, but that's the exact process. You, you know, dishwashing liquid is, is what you throw in there with hot water, run it and you do it until you get it clean. There's no reason that I can see to keep taking that radiator out over and over. Well, especially when you put it back in, you're just going to get it all dirty again. Exactly. It, and, and it's oil. We can get oil out of a system. We've done it before. I've, I've really, I've never seen where we took the radiator out to do this. Well, and they try to say, you know, well, you know, it's kind of a muck, you know, and it's cold out. I'm like, so well, I understand it's cold out, but when you run the engine, it's going to warm it up. You warm up oil, it gets thinner, it breaks down. And and you're putting in detergent, soap that, that breaks down oil. I mean, Dawn works excellent. That So that, that idea of it's cold, it's gunk, so what? When it gets hot, it's not gunk anymore. It liquefies. You put the soap in it, it disperses it, and we drain it. Uh, and it just... Depending on how much oil got in there, it might take us two times. It might take us five. But we don't have to keep taking the radiator on and off. That's insane. Uh, I know you've got a lot more, so I'm going to come back to you right after this break. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. For the break, I was talking with Jim and Waco. We're going to head back there. Jim, go ahead. Okay, so uh, the other thing was I heard you guys talking about the TND tablet. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that at all. It's kind of news to me. So I didn't know if that's something that you can plug the scan gauge into as well. No. Now, the... Um, th- there might be something coming in the future and, and I, this is a project I haven't even started yet. Um, but we've always looked at the, uh, the scan gauge as a, a, a simple solution. It's its own hardware. You plug it in, it works. And, and that's what I like, but we've also thought 
that once we build this kind of command center or somebody does, I've been waiting for somebody to do this. And I said, we even tried it once. We just couldn't license the navigation software to make it work. And I believe that the, the tablet, it, its primary function should be really good navigation. And that's what Rand McNally has now done. And that opens up all kinds of possibilities in the future. And one of the possibilities, and it's going to be a huge project, but I'm, I'm 90% sure we'll move in this direction, is eliminating the hardware of the scan gauge and making it an app on that tablet. Right. Because I was hoping, you know, eventually there'd be somewhere you know, where we can make it like an information center where we can have all the numbers on a, on a page rather than just a couple of the numbers. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that, that is something we've looked at in the past. It's not a project that I'm even ready to start yet because we've got so much going on. But I can see in the future, now that we do have this tablet, it's something that is a possibility now. And it's just a matter of figuring out resources and timing and all that other stuff. So uh, it's definitely something on the horizon. So where does a guy get this tablet at and what are, I mean, what are some of the features that it's, you know, I, cause I don't know nothing about her. I mean, I, I guess I don't need you to go into all the details, but where can I go to find out information about it? Uh, I, I would go right to Rand McNally. You know, I haven't even looked yet. Um, I, we've been so busy with so many other things, but I, I haven't even tried doing a Google search for this thing yet. I just got mine last week and we've been so busy since then. Uh, but but basically, we, it's a nice size tablet. And my whole problem, if you've heard me talk about um, Rand McNally's devices in the past, I've always said I love their software. I love their navigation. I love the features. I hate the hardware to the point where I said I won't even use it anymore. And And I was so frustrated because I wanted to. The hardware just drove me nuts. I mean, it would either lock up. The screen wasn't very bright. The sound was horrible. You couldn't see it in the daytime sometimes if there was too much glare on it. And I, I was just frustrated. So all of those hardware issues are gone now. Now we have this super bright, high-resolution screen with lots of screen real estate. So we have all tons of information showing at once. We've got a built-in dash cam, which gets rid of another piece of hardware that we had to screw with. And... It, the navigation and the features are even better than they used to be. But now we also have this device that we can interface and do so many other things with. Fuel gauges is built right into it. So you can do your fuel mileage tracking right on the device now. Uh, you can load audio books. You can download any app from the, the Play Store um, on Android. You can have your music on there. You could have Pandora. I mean... The possibilities now are endless, and it's one device. We don't have all this other stuff in the truck. Excellent. I've got one last thing. I, uh, I've been looking to add a truck to my fleet, and I was actually even looking at putting an engine in a truck that I lost. And uh, But I've been patient, been patient, been patient, and I finally came across a truck uh, last night that I thought was an absolute steal. And it was a 99 Volvo with a 500 Detroit with less than 100,000 miles on an outer frame overall with all the documentation. It's got a fresh tranny and clutch in it and 80% uh, rubber all the way around. It's been pretty much redone top to bottom. 
the gentleman that got sick. He wanted 24, and I offered him 17 with 3,000 down in the remaining. When I pick it up, check out that everything, you know, is legit. And uh, pretty much settled on that. What was the so price? Was, uh, 17 is what we finished on. Oh, yeah. I, I'd be all over that. That That's absolutely thought, Yeah, that's I a... I thought that, the 3000 was, you know, worth taking a gamble on it because, you know, that, it's tough finding, you know, especially hundred less than 100,000 miles on that engine with documentation for an out-of-frame. It was, I thought, a no-brainer. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be all... Super 10 with 370s. Believe it or not, I'm not a huge fan of the Super 10, but it's only because I just don't like it. It, it, There's nothing really wrong with it. Once you learn how, I know a lot of people who have them and absolutely love them. Once you get used to it, um, again, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just not a big fan of it. And I'm sure if I spent enough time with one, I'd get comfortable with it and I'd like it too. It's It's a good combination. The 370s are probably the best all around gear ratio for that truck the only improvement and, and it's not worth the money ideally i'd rather have a 13 speed and say 279 gears but it's a tiny improvement i mean you pick up three percent in fuel economy uh maybe four but that's a stretch and a 10 what's speed the direct what is direct on that um it's got to be ninth okay You'd have to drive so, real slow. Oh, yeah. You couldn't do nine. You can't do direct with those 370s. I mean, you're talking about 40 miles an hour. You would okay. have to, if you wanted to run this truck in direct, you would have to go to the 279 gears. It, and then 10th becomes almost unusable. You know what? I, I might need to go look at the ratios on that transmission. Because I'm not positive that now ninth would have to be direct. I think I'd have to go look Um, either way, the way it is right now, I could live with forever. I mean, I I wouldn't have to change any gears or anything. And, and this truck will get excellent fuel economy at 58, 60 miles an hour with those gears. The only thing I was concerned about was maybe the weight because it's a seven seventy, but you know, I could maybe compromise a little bit. I wouldn't worry too much about that. That great room. I'd love the interior on those. The weight wouldn't be any big deal for me. Unless you're in a weight, really weight sensitive operation, I, it, the weight doesn't bother me at all. No, I just produce both reefer. Yeah. So. That, yeah. No, no big deal there, really. Um, just to let you know, um, if you go to randmcnally.com, their, their new tablet is all over the front page. Everything you want to know about it. Excellent. I'm I'm kind of excited about that because I bought I think it was their 730 I got and I was really really actually really happy with that one. Well, but like I said, I really like the tablet format a lot better. Well, once you see this, and and like I said, just the screen, the brightness, the resolution is so sharp. There's so much room on it. The sound is excellent. Plus, it's got you know external sound. So I'm wiring mine into my sound system, and then just the well the built-in dash cam I love. And then the possibility, they're also doing something that I think was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, you've got the typical suction cup mount on the window, which is fine because it gives you a nice place with the dash cam. 
But instead of attaching the device directly to the mounting, they've designed something they call a slice. The slice is just a little square, couple inches square, um, and it attaches to the mounting device. And then they have a really nice magnetic connection. So you take the tablet and you just like basically just touch it to the slice and it goes right into place magnetically. So it's real easy to pull off there if you want. The other thing they did with that slice, though, is it is the GPS receiver. So it's a much stronger receiver. So the, the GPS reception is excellent. And this, this slice is also de designed for expansion into the future. So this would be where we could route our, our ECM connection into um, for a scan gauge type app. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless to expand the way they've designed this. So they put a lot of thought and effort into this, and I am very impressed. I'm assuming they must have uh, incorporated the logs into that and everything. Oh, it's got, yeah, it's got fully logs. I mean, that's all in there already. But then the other beautiful thing is, it's really, I mean, any app you want it's available so or we yeah, could write that's nice yeah we could write new ones so when you look at the fact that it's a tablet we can write any app we can dream up and they've designed this slice that offers even more expansion uh, um like i said um if i did if i well i wanted to talk about it for so long i'm glad i can now let's uh let's get to a break we'll be right back i'm kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the calls. I, you know, I'm also very, very excited about the fact that fuel gauges is uh, a, a very, very integral part of the new Rand McNally tablet. Uh, it's right on the homepage. You start it up and, and we're right there. It's the fuel manager powered by Let's Truck. Totally interfaces with your current fuel gauges account. All you do is log in. All your information will be there. I absolutely love it. And I have to thank Aaron and our development team for scrambling and, and giving up some of their life for the last couple months to get that done and make that happen. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Arizona. Mike, welcome to the program. Hello. I am calling about an oil leak. Uh, I've got okay. a freight liner... 97 Freightliner with a uh, 2002 Detroit uh, Series 60 engine that was installed in 2004, and I've been having some oil leak problems, and uh, let's see, um, it, I, I 
can't really trust the shop that I go to, but they said that uh, it looks like the it, it's an, a seal, a rear seal. Okay. Uh, that, that's leaking. So uh, that's kind of expensive, probably to have repaired. I'm wondering how. Go ahead. It is fairly expensive, and I, I I've kind of have mixed emotions about this kind of stuff because I hate when there's something wrong with my vehicles, anything, even little things. But I also don't like spending a lot of money to fix what is only a minor problem, and most of the time. A leaking real rear seal is a fairly minor problem. Does it leak when it's sitting or only when it's running? It le- oddly enough, uh, I just discovered it. It it uh, leaks when it's uh, running. It doesn't leak that much or hardly at all when it's sitting. And no. I okay. was doing a parking exercise the other day, back in etc. And uh, I noticed that there were drips, a line of drips. Uh, uh, over the asphalt uh, where I was uh, traveling to do my practice. Okay. So here's the thing. I mean, the, the only real downside to this, other than that, it makes a little bit of a mess is, you know, you're going to spend a little money on oil, but you're going to spend a lot of money to fix it. How far are we away from any major engine work? How many miles are on this engine? Well, the, uh, that's mixed because of the, uh, the, uh, uh the odometer doesn't work properly. It says on it 500 and about 60,000 miles, but I'm guessing with the, uh, about a uh, two-tenths uh, uh, shortage in the, in the odometer uh, that I probably got about 600,000 to 650,000 miles on it. The oil okay. samples are fantastic on it. So anyways, and it cost two cents. I figure it costs two cents a mile for oil. Well, that's all of your oil cost, right? Uh, that's the, uh, uh, yeah, that would be all the oil. I add a, a, the, a gallon every 8,000 miles, and, and yeah, that's cost the, me two cents a mile. The leak itself, we probably can't even measure the cost per mile. It's so small. I mean, the amount of oil we're losing, we probably can't even measure it anyway. So I, I usually, as long as these things aren't, you know, going to put me out of service as, as if it's not that bad, then I usually let them go until something else will happen and you'll need to do some major work that will bring the cost of fixing that leak down. So I, I usually won't go in and do a, a major repair to fix a minor leak. Okay. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, I guess that's about it. Uh, oh, one other thing is, uh, I want to put my brother on as a driver, and uh, uh, I'm wondering what would be the easiest way to do that. Would I make him a partner, and would that make it any easier, or should, do I just need to go through the uh, standard rigmarole for hiring somebody? Um, believe it or not, it actually is easier to make him a partner. Um, okay. If we're talking about paperwork, that kind of stuff. But to say it's easier is true. There's also a lot more risk a tremendous amount of risk. It, and you know that there are some people who say the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. Um, and I've had some really bad experiences with partnerships over the years. I'm in one now. I, I've been in many, many. Some of them have turned out horrible. Some of them have been great, but there is a lot of risk. Um, so that that has to be a personal decision. Then there's the additional risk of partnerships with family involved. And I've had those too. 
Um, so that that's something you've got to put some serious thought into. I can tell you it's the easiest way to pay him without, you know, the whole independent contractor, employee, payroll, withholding taxes, all that other stuff. But the other thing about making him a partner is it's somewhat permanent. I mean, it's not easy to get rid of a partner. Um, so it, I think I, I would, unless you have really, really strong reasons for making him a partner. The other thing, I wouldn't let anybody in as a partner unless they put up money. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, I, right, so- I, I, and here's the thing. I, I would come up with a value of your company. And if he wants to be a partner, then I would base the, the his buy-in on that value. Does he want to be a 10% partner? Then he's going to have to pay me 10% of what the company's worth. If he wants to be a 50% partner, he's going to have to pony up with 50% of what this company's worth. That's, that's not saying that's enough to make me decide to make him a partner, but that, that would be a minimum standard. I, I'm just not putting you as an owner of this business. You, you got to give me some cash. I need to get something out of this too. My my first thought would be, unless there's some really strong reason to make him a partner, I would bring him on even as an independent contractor. I'm not wild about that. I'd much rather see you go the employee route to get started. Okay. Uh, I'll try the employee route. Uh, it's just uh, uh, nebulous to me, so I'm not re- quite sure where to start. You got a hint? Uh, yeah, I would. I would hire a payroll service. Okay. Yeah, I, I would just, yeah, it, unless you like dealing with the government and forms and all kinds of stuff you don't know anything about and you got to go do a lot of research, it's easier just to go pay somebody. I would just go hire a payroll service and let them do it. Let's go to Texas. Mark, welcome to the program. Kevin, how are you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Well, I'm going to put an ESM in my truck. Um, this past, this winter that we're in now, it's just kind of, seal the deal. I don't have a shoreline connection, and I do let my truck sit from time to time. Okay. So, I do I do idle my truck during the year, probably a dozen times in the year when it's really cold and when it's really, really warm at night. Uh, on a daily basis, I might idle it for an hour while I watch television or what have you. So, I'm concerned about the hotel use on my battery. The up and down. I mean, the ESM will charge itself in 15 minutes. But what is that going to do to my batteries? And should I change those out? Um, yeah, I, I, I like to go with deep cycle batteries for the hotel load. The The downside to deep cycle is sometimes they don't, well, they usually don't have as, as many cold cranking amps, so they won't perform well in that, that cold weather start, but you don't have to worry about that anymore. You, you've got the ESM, which is the absolute best product on the market for cold weather starts. I mean, that thing right. fires the truck up like it's nothing. So the other thing about batteries is that when we take the one battery out to put in the ESM, we've cut out 25% of our capacity. The batteries are just pure numbers. It's like everything else. They, they have a, an absolute capacity and we can measure it. And then we could say, okay, this device draws this many amps so I could run it for this long before my batteries would discharge. I mean, we, we can sit down and put all of this on paper, but we do know 
that the minute you take out one of those four batteries, we have cut your capacity down by 25%. It doesn't okay. sound to me like you need a lot of capacity, though. No, I mean, I, I, I'm going to put a refrigerator in a truck, but it'll, that'll that, solve that's itself not because it'll run while the truck's running. Yeah, that's, that's not um, a big you know, when we need a lot of capacity as people who are going to try to run window air conditioners and all kinds of other stuff for extended periods of time, you're not doing that. The, no, the I mean, deep cycle batteries are will handle the charge and discharge much better, and the ESM will handle all the starting chores. So I think that setup of one ESM, three deep cycle batteries like uh, – you know, an Optima, um, that would be an ideal setup for you. What will the, uh, with the regular batteries that I have now until I get the deep cycle, how is the charge and discharge going to affect those? It, it, they, they will just wear out faster. I mean, they, they still have the same basic capacity. I mean, every battery is a little different in its capacity, but uh, it's just that the deep cycle is it stands up to that charge and discharge better. But a standard old school lead acid battery will do it. it. It will just wear out sooner. That's all. So just use them till you wear them out and then replace them. I'm all out of time. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.